Highland sailor's seeming indifference when his son Matthew, in the company of James Ludlow, slipped away to yet another assignation at Madame Leon's boardy house. The impression existed that for all he'd consumed in food and wine, which was considerable, he shouldn't be feeling this bad. Harry Ludlow would never claim to be a trencherman of the first rank, but in a world where no meal was considered memorable if it wasn't huge, where drink was taken regularly and copiously, he could recall few occasions when he'd felt as weak as he did now. His next attempt to speak died as Pender returned, no more than a rasp in his bone-dry throat. Handed a pitcher of water, he drank from it greedily, allowing a fair quantity to spill over the front of his shirt. He looked down. God in heaven! he sighed at the realization that he'd probably been carried to bed. I'm still in my breeches and boots. Raising his eyes, he observed that he wasn't alone in his distress. Pender's face was tinged with grey. The eyes, steady as they contemplated his plight, had a red bloodshot rim round each pupil, and his voice had a weary quality. Since you was dead to the world, I decided to partake of a bit of a gargle on my own account. I was on my way back here when one of the fishermen told me about Mr. Pollock. Another image floated into his mind, of Pender, cold sober in the background, stepping forward only occasionally to top up a tankard that wasn't full to the rim. It must have been some gargle he'd crammed into the time he had left. Beats me how Pollock managed it, Pender added given what he put away. He must have been the very devil to rouse out. There's no way he could have walked to the quayside, that's for certain. Harry, with a deliberate air, swung his feet onto the floor, an action which produced an alarming stab of pain in his head. His nostrils picked up the odour of coffee long before the serving girl set the tray she was carrying on the table. Pender had a cup poured and in his master's hands before her footsteps faded. He drank the coffee gratefully, then hauled himself to his feet. By the open window he could see out over the whole of St. Croix Harbour. Several ships, including Daredevil, had slipped their moorings during the hours of darkness. He struggled to recall the names of others, but his hangover defeated every effort in that line, and he turned his attention to his own ship, Bucephalus, knowing that the mere sight of her clean lines would lift his spirits. No man sailing as a privateer could ask for a better vessel. Over a hundred foot long and well-armed, she lay by the quay, still handsome, despite the staging round her stern. The work he'd ordered done on her was all but complete. Today he intended to set about removing the mess the shipwrights had made of his pristine deck. Normally a man who harried such people, he'd been content to let them work at their own pace. The topsail schooner Ariadne, which he'd escorted here, was in need of greater repair. As well as substantial damage to her upper works, her timbers had suffered from worm and weed. Hauled over by the nearest stretch of beach, she looked forlorn in the clean morning light. Both ships had been damaged in a recent battle with two French frigates, and here, safe in the Danish harbour, the local shipwrights were making perfect the temporary repairs that had been undertaken at sea. In less than a week from now they'd both be ready, with Harry determined that they should part company as soon as they'd weighed. "'Odd that Pollock didn't let on he was leaving,' said Pender. 
he'd have informed us if he'd known. As much a question as a statement, it produced no response from his servant. Pollock must have left because of some unforeseen emergency. Despite many conversations, he still knew little about the American's reasons for calling at St. Croix. He was just about to make this observation when both the governor's signal guns boomed out over the harbour. Raising his eyes, he saw much commotion on the parched lawn in front of the residence. Both guns boomed out again. The Danish flag rose and dipped as someone sought another method of alerting the inhabitants. All of which could mean only one thing. Serious danger, which in this part of the world tended to mean an attempt to take the island. Painful as it was to make any sudden move, his response was immediate. Get the crew aboard Bucephalus and make ready for sea. Send someone to drag James and young Cor-